Let's do go. it. All right. Three badass bitches. Here we go. <laughs> <laughs> we are happy right. to have that included. In I know. Our episode. <laughs> <laughs> That's totally yeah. a bad <laughs> Welcome to the High Fidelity Podcast. I am your host, Bridget Conry, coming to you from the dialed studio at Hula on the shores of beautiful Lake Champlain in Burlington, Vermont. In this episode, we speak with Callie Chapman and Holly Heimseth of Steep Hill, Vermont. Hold up. Onward Analytics, one of the three analytical labs licensed in the state of Vermont. Listen in to learn about their decision to part ways with Steep Hill and their wild ride becoming operational in under a year in order to service Vermont's emerging market. We'll be right back. Welcome back. Before we begin, a quick update on some of the news that Callie shared in our conversation, originally recorded on March 2nd. On Tuesday of this week, an email went out to their customers and subscribers, announcing both the severance agreement with Steep Hill and their new name, Onward Analytics. Since then, we came across a press release dated March 1st, which details Steep Hill Inc.'s termination agreements with licensed partners in several other states, including Massachusetts, New Jersey, Pennsylvania, and Maryland. Their website is now limited to a landing page that states that they are in the process of restructuring their business and are exploring strategic alternatives. I'm sure that there will be more news to come on this development. Steep Hill is a pioneer in cannabis lab testing services, opening the nation's first commercial cannabis testing lab in 2008 in their home state of California. All right, let's get into our conversation with Callie and Holly, two pioneering women in cannabis science and analytics. Well, Holly and Callie, great to have you in the studio today to talk about lab testing, which lab testing is a very, I think it's got this reputation for being kind of like dry and it's science and all those things. But I really like to kind of geek out on lab testing uh, in the cannabis industry. I think it's one of the most interesting parts of the industry. Mm -hmm. um, and I think that, that the vantage point that you have in the lab in terms of what you get to see and the data you get to collect is super interesting. So I'm hoping to have time to get into that at the yeah. end. But where I want to start is just kind of understanding a little bit of your backgrounds. Mm -hmm. um, you know, I'm always excited about women in STEM too. So Kelly, why don't you start? Sure. Yeah. So uh, my background is in chemical engineering. Um, I have about 10 years of experience uh, in regulated markets, started in semiconductors, um, really wasn't my jam. Uh, I was pretty young. I was 21 when I started. And it's just very intense chemistry with really intense chemicals. And as a young engineer, there isn't a lot of flexibility to learn as you go because your actions have such large and expensive consequences. Mm -hmm. um, so I quickly moved out of semiconductors and actually had myself convinced that I didn't want to be an engineer for a little while. had what I call my quarter-life crisis. Mm -hmm. I was bartender. I taught yoga, kind of lived my best little life for a while. And then I ran out of money, so I became an <laughs> engineer again. Um, and I actually landed in um, the cosmetics and personal care space, which is an FDA-regulated industry. I did that for eight or so years, gained great experience, but I just 
didn't really feel great about being in cosmetics. Um, it did start to bother me that I felt like my paycheck was kind of made on women or just individuals not feeling like they were attractive in their own right. Huh. Um, and it started, as the older I got, started to like kind of screw with my head a little bit. And I was trying to figure out where I could be technical, but with something I was more passionate about. Um, and the cannabis industry was kind of getting on its feet in that stage with the CBD boom at first. And being in an FDA facility, I really saw the benefit of developing CBD products under kind of the FDA guidelines. So even though it wasn't a regulated active ingredient, you're making a label claim off of CBD. So really it should be tracked the same as an active ingredient. So I pitched the cannabis industry to my employer at the time. I developed the cannabis product development program there and really gained a lot of experience and wealth of knowledge in you know manufacturing, formulation, um, and really just the regulatory aspect. And I was I was waiting for the rec market to come to Vermont, right. and it did. And then I got the opportunity to be a part of a lab, which for me was interesting because I, I knew I wanted to be in cannabis because I knew I could bring my background into cannabis, a market that needed regulation, but I didn't know what avenue I wanted to be in. So I thought about you know being a part of retail, being a part of manufacturing, being in product development, and then the lab kind of came on my radar, and it just gut instinct felt like the right thing to do. Yeah. So, so in that background, had you been working in with analytical lab equipment before? Or no, you were more in like product I was development. Actually, I was in product development. I was actually the customer to the analytics lab. Right. So that was actually a, a nice benefit for me in starting this that I have the experience of our customers. I've been the one submitting testing and, you know, working through C of A's and understanding them and then explaining those C of A's to the end consumer. Um, There are some overlap with instrumentation and what I was doing in analytics, um, but this is the first time that I'm solely dedicated to analytics. Got it. Great. Thank you. Mm -hmm. Holly, what about you? Um, So I have always been in a laboratory. I've had about 15 years of laboratory management experience. Um, That started in academics, where I was working in research laboratories um, and had a couple different labs um, doing some vacuole research and drug delivery, um, vaccine research. Um, Some of that time was spent at Dartmouth Medical School. Some of it was at Duke University at the Vaccine Institute. So got some really good base understanding of running a lab, working with up to 30 lab members and doing not only the experimental design, but working with hiring and the employees Mm -hmm. there. I switched over into industry a few years ago, um, four years ago at this point. I was the manager of a quality control chemistry lab in pharmaceutical compounding. And there we were testing potencies and raw material tests. We had our own suite of analytical equipment that I oversaw, as well as a small team of analytical chemists. And that was where I really was able to combine my love of science with the love of regulation. I kind of really love structure. So um, being able to (laughs) combine those two things, I was like, okay, this is where I want to be. I really enjoy doing this. Um, I was able to do uh, method development. And um, we also were overseen by the FDA and state sports of pharmacy. So that regulated experience was very valuable, terrifying at first um, to be overseen by such highly regulated officers. But it was really valuable and um, made me make sure that our methods were tight, our methods were solid, and just be able to handle that pressure that would come with working for an end consumer that is going to be ingesting these 
medicated products at the end, making sure that they're safe, making sure that they're going to pass quality control and do what we say that they're going to do for them medically. But with the switch over of having cannabis coming online with the rec market, there was this opportunity to switch into an, an industry that we've never been able to test before. This wasn't legal to do. So this brand new wide open field here in Vermont to start testing analytic cannabis products. Pretty awesome. Yeah, <laughs> I yeah. saw that Steep Hill, I got I saw an article from Steep Hill that they were going to be coming online in the fall. So I just reached out to their info line. I was like, hi. This is who I am. This is what I can do. Is this something that you'd be interested? Because I am. Um, So I heard back from Callie and we met for coffee and it just felt really right. Um, She and I share a very similar perspective, especially when it comes to quality systems. So being able to have both of our backgrounds in a regulated environment and kind of combined the analytic side with her product development side just felt like we had a really solid foundation to work forward on. So I left that meeting just feeling like, okay, this is this is the move I need to make and the team that I need yeah. to join. Yeah. And you didn't have any concern at that point about moving into you know, the cannabis industry. I mean, that's something that we you know, when we started out, it took a long time for people with skill sets in other industries to feel comfortable coming into the cannabis mm-hmm. space just because of the risk, you know, and just having that on your resume and especially coming out of like a regulated industry like the ones yeah. you two came out of. But maybe that's not there so much anymore now that we're, you know, we're 10 years into it here. I mean, it's still federally illegal, but that's a risk that both of you are willing yeah. to take. And I mean, I think it's there. Honestly, it's what attracted me to it. I I have a technical background, but I found it to be a little boring. Yes. And when I actually pitched the cannabis industry to my former employer, there was a part of me that was doing it just for the shock factor. (laughs) And I got it. They were like, what? And then I was like, no, no, let me explain the business case to you. But for me, it was a way that I could be somewhat edgy, but technical at the same time. And so I've just kept with that. Like, I like pushing the boundaries and being like, no, we're, we're grounded by science, but we're going to push societal norms. Like we are, we are here to do things right and just prove that this industry is not scary and daunting and terrible. Like it's exciting and new and yes. kind of limitless at this point. Yes. Awesome. I've only felt excitement. I, I think part of it is the team that we're working with. We're all really passionate about what we do. We love testing. We love numbers. We love data. And being able to share that with a community that maybe hasn't seen some of these things before, share things about their products that maybe they didn't know about before. It's pretty exciting. Cool. All right. Well, you brought up Steep Hill. So I did Mm -hmm. want to touch on that a little bit. They're a brand out there. They were one of the first cannabis analytical labs in the country. Were they the first? Or Uh, they're close to it. Close to. Yeah. Yeah. And so why did you choose them as a partner? And what was that business relationship like? Yep. Yeah. So that was when I started this, there were there four of us that were the founding team. And we were looking, this was only a little over a year ago. So we were looking at the landscape. We were acknowledging that, you know, there weren't a lot of labs in Vermont that if we were going to have a mature market, we needed at least one more. Um, And we decided we were the group who was going to do it. Um, But we were well aware we were not going to bring a lab on board in a year on our own. Um, So the the choice to partner with Steep Hill through the license program was a, you know, let's put our best foot forward and build upon that. So the license agreement, we were, um, you know, that we purchased access to their IP, their methods, um, their quality system, their LIMS system, um, which is the laboratory management software we use. Um, And it was, you know, this is how we're going to get this done 
quickly. Um, so that that was the initial decision. Yeah, I think as we all know in life, um, you know, it's it's easier to look back and say what you should have done, but at the time it, it was the right move for us. Um, it didn't quite shake out to be the partnership we were hoping for. Hmm. Um, but I still feel it, w- it was the right move for us initially. There's no way we would have been. I mean, we started testing in December. Um, so really, we signed our license agreement on 420, actually, in April. Huh. Um, so, you know, there's there's no way that we would have brought a lab up in that time period had we not partnered with Steep Hill initially. Right, right. Because... I think a lot of people don't understand that there's, you can have lab experience, you can have like regulatory experience, but there's also the need to have cannabis experience too. There's not, there isn't any standardization of method development and all that. So it's nice to have a partner, find a good partner to have some of that intellectual property to benefit from some of that. Definitely. Yeah. It's not like industries that Holly and I are coming out of where, you know, there's, 50, 60 years of data for you to look back on. I mean, in the cosmetics industry, there's there's abundance of data. Um, it hasn't been legal to test cannabis. And then, you know, where it is legal in other states, each state has different regulation. So even though other states do have experience and you can tap into those people, it might not match your state's regulations. So some of the testing that's done in other states, we couldn't actually perform here or vice versa. Got it. Um, yeah, it's it's complicated. Yeah. We, I wish we could just put samples in the tool and get a, get a result <laughs> out. That'd be really nice. No. Yeah. Um, so it was a licensing agreement. Yes. Right. Yep. So it was a it is a wholly owned Vermont company yeah. run by Vermont yep. people. It's exactly. not like a franchise. You're no. we're just licensing yeah. their IP basically. Yes. Yeah. We are um, from the beginning. We've been Vermont owned and operated. So all of our investors. Um, our Vermont business people and the the founding team and all the lab team that we've hired since then were all local. They were all either, you know, born and raised here or were already working here. Yeah. Um, so that was really important to us was to pull locals um, and really make this a Vermont company. Great. Now, I heard you just say a minute ago that it wasn't quite the relationship that you thought yeah. it was going to be. <laughs> Is that leading to what, what's, yeah. what's going um, on there? Yeah, we actually, we have some news to share. So as of March 1st, which was yesterday, we have actually terminated our license agreement with Steep Hill Headquarters. Like I said, it was the right move for us initially, but unfortunately it just did not shake out to be the business partnership we were looking for. Mm-hmm. A lot of where we were hoping to gain ground and come up quickly, mainly, you know, with methods that were developed and ready to work in our industry. It just, it, it unfortunately did not work out that way. Um, so we actually ended up developing almost all of our methods ourselves. We did have a starting point to work from, but we, we developed on top of that. And so, you know, between, between ourselves and Steep Hill headquarters, we just, you know, came to the agreement that this wasn't the partnership that either party was looking for. I mean, they did I think they they do feel or they did feel that they couldn't support us how we needed to be Mm -hmm. and the vice versa. We didn't feel like we were getting the support from them um, that we had agreed to. So, yes, as of actually today, we are completely independent. Oh, that's Um, big news. Yeah, we are. We're pretty excited. Yeah, (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, it was like I said, it was it was the right step to start with. But we are very excited to be. 100% independent. We are in the process right now of 
rebranding and doing some trademark searches on our name, name to be. So that's still under wraps for now. Um, but between now and uh, the first of May, you will see a lot of big changes coming out of our laboratory. Wow. Excellent. Well, I'm sorry to hear it didn't work out the way you wanted to. I mean, that happens in yeah, business sometimes. Does. But right. it sounds like you were able to have a, a clean break from the situation, and that's good. Yeah. Yeah. No. <laughs> you know? it, it was. It was nice that it was. You know, it was mutual. Yeah. Nothing had to yeah, get. Good. You know, escalated, and it's just we we are excited to just move forward with our team. So for all of our customers in Vermont and in the industry. You're going to see the same faces. You're going to talk to the same team. I mean, we were all independent from Steep Hill headquarters, so mm -hmm. nothing's going to change there. Um, but we'll have some pretty new C of A's coming your way. Um, we're going to redesign a lot of our our software, C of A's, um, and just really focus on the company we want to be. Awesome. Well, I look forward to that new brand launch. Yeah. We'll keep an eye out for that. <laughs> it's exciting. All right. So... Let's talk about where you are right now. We've been talking about how you've had to do a lot of method development, and there's quite a few um, tests that are required mm -hmm. by the state that for compliance, and you have to go through method validation with them. And so um, just kind of run through as quickly, like how many tests you had to do that are required, and I'm just curious, too, if you're doing tests that aren't required that are also could be of service to your clients. Yep, yep. Um, so just I want to... Touch on what method validation is mm -hmm. um, for people to kind of understand really what we have been doing over these number of months. Um, method development and method validation is a strict set of criteria that we outline the test method that we perform for the potency or for the pesticides. Um, we are going to be looking at a number of parameters, things like accuracy, precision, reproducibility, robustness, limits of detection, limits of quantification, linearity, specificity huge host of, of tests that have been outlined by different accreditation bodies in order to ensure that a method is suitable for its intended use. So that is no small feat. Um, and while we have experience in the pharmacy and in cosmetics, as you alluded to earlier, cannabis is a whole nother beast, mm -hmm. which has been really a steep learning curve for us. And we've been really fortunate that a lot of our, our clients, our customers, have been really willing to share their knowledge that they've accumulated over the years um, that has helped move these methods forward. Um, so at this time, we are able to offer foreign material, moisture content and water analysis, potency, pathogens, and pesticides. I'm happy to say that we've submitted our heavy metals um, validation report to the CCB. So that one should be available to you very soon. Um, and the residual solvents assay is our last one that we need to bring on board. And we are in the final test for that validation. So that one should be coming right along as well. Fantastic. And how, how long does it take to kind of work through these validations? I'm oh sure God. they're different for each, <laughs> for each test, but are we talking weeks? We talking days? We, we talking months? Ha. Ha. Yeah, yeah, that oh. is it's a little bit of a source. <laughs> um, a some source of them. Yeah. Um, ordinarily, um, we you would expect that these are going to take weeks to perform each of them um, because you need to tweak your method and make sure that all the analytes that you're looking at, all the components that you're looking at. Are, can be seen. So um, we offer our potency panel is for 17 cannabinoids. So if you make any tweak in the method because you're seeing two of these cannabinoids maybe too close to one another in your analysis, you kind of have to start all over. So there's a lot of different playing around with the methods that has to be done at the very beginning during the feasibility studies. And then when you move forward um, with all of the testing, it'll take a couple of weeks to get through all of that. Um, and 
as we had said, we have had to make um, the that process hasn't been quite as linear as we would have liked it to be. So there's been a little bit of circling back and starting over at square one that we did not anticipate. Um, so some of these have taken a few months to bring on online. So we have appreciated the industry's patience as we have worked through hurdles that we did not expect. Um, and we just are really pleased that we are at the the end of this and we'll be able to be yeah. fully um, being able to offer well, full welcome to the cannabis test. industry. <laughs> Nothing's linear, right? No, you're building sure. a plane as you're flying. Yes, for sure. Um, so the tests I mentioned earlier are the compliance testing. We do offer terpenes testing as well, and we do have the method for that. So terpenes are, are up and running, um, although it is not regulated. Um, it's been something that we are really pleased to be able to bring to people to kind of round out the their story of what is in their products. Um, and we also will be able to bring on mycotesting, mycotoxin testing very gotcha. soon. Yeah, and just uh, anything that we bring online, even if it's not a state compliance test, we still put it through the same robust procedure in terms of method validation. So even though the state is not not having to certify those tests, um, we are proactively still submitting those validations to the board um, just so they're aware of how our methods were developed. Um, it, you know, it, it might not be a surprise if TERPS is, you know, a compliance test in another year or two. So we right. are just kind of, we're doing it all the correct way from the beginning to, you know, if that does become a compliance test, we're already, we're already certified, we're already right. good. And how, once you get through that method validation are you done or is it something you have to re-up every year? You don't need to re-up every year. Um, so it will be done. I say that loosely because we will probably be adding to it. Um, people might be letting us know that there is a particular cannabinoid that they would really like to be able to have a potency analysis on in their product or, or a terpene panel, or maybe somebody's found a new way to do extraction and now we have to add something to our residual solvents. So we might be amending our methods and improving them with the demand of the market and what the demand of the consumers and our clients are wanting to see. Yeah. Um, but we don't need to do a, any re-up or um, submit anything to the board if we keep the methods the gotcha. same. Yep. Is there any, like, there is no national regulatory body no. At all. For for lab there testing in general, though, right? I mean, is there outside of the cannabis space? Is it just uh, the cannabis space that there is, is lacking it because of prohibition? Yeah, yeah. So, yeah. Um, so one of the things that we are, uh, once the validations and methods are all up online, the next big task that we have ahead of us is to become ISO certified. That is a global quality standard for testing laboratories. Um, so in addition to having the CCB oversee and re-up our license every year, um, the ISO accreditation board will come in and visit us on an annual basis to make sure that we are meeting certain global requirements that any testing laboratory, cannabis or otherwise, would need to in order to ensure proper methodology and um, just good practices. Got it. Awesome. Yeah. All right. So you're one of three labs in the state that are doing testing. You're going to have the full compliance thing ready soon. Um, There's BIA and then there's Endine. Endine, yeah. Um, And so the other two are not I would say cannabis centric. You are the only one that is specifically focused on cannabis. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that you and B are the only ones who are eventually going to be doing all of the testing or the variety of testing that you're going to be offering clients. And so that leaves two state or two labs in the state for all of the licenses to work with. Mm-hmm. Um, how do you differentiate yourself? You know, and, and is there collaboration? Between the two labs, I mean, we, when we operated a lab in the medical space, um, there was a lab at BPA as well, Vermont Patients Alliance, and 
we used to collaborate with them because we were both learning together. Yeah. You know, there weren't any licensed labs in the state, so if we wanted to be able to offer at least potency to our um, customers, um, we had to build our own labs. And so we would do what was called ring testing mm -hmm. um, just to kind of check where <laughs> to gauge our efficiencies and if we we're getting the same results. Mm -hmm. Are you doing any of that um, uh, in the state, or what, yeah, what does that look like? We haven't. Yet. Um, the I mean, our focus has just been, you know, getting tests online. And um, we were in a position where because, you know, there's limited laboratories in Vermont where we really felt the pressure to open our doors before we had all of our tests um, certified. I, ideally, we would have, you know, we wouldn't be in a case where we are operating as, you know, a lab and validating at the same time. Our staff has been split, and um, that's why we have had longer lead times than we were like because we were just focused in two areas. Um, but I very much see collaboration in this, you know, the, the first half of this year, um, especially because, you know, exactly that. We, we want the entire Vermont community to, to be able to go to either lab and use either lab and, you know, not have long you know, not have discrepancies between the labs and also not have long lead times, you know, one versus the other. Um, I think as the regs move forward, there will absolutely be collaboration. Um, I think both labs have different things that they bring to the table. Um, Bia obviously has a lot of experience with testing cannabis that we just don't have yet. So we are, you know, we're eager to kind of tap into their knowledge base there. Um, and then, you know, I'm, I'm not, if anyone from B is listening, I'm not sure if you ever worked in the <laughs> FDA industry, so don't take this the wrong way, but I just don't know if they have, you know, the regulated industry that our group, experience that our group has, um, and that's what we really see, like, we can bring to the table, like, just certain things, like, how you define what an actual, you know, product is for testing, so in other regulated markets, um, like, take a pre-roll, for example, like, in a regulated market, that paper, not the filter, but the paper is actually a part of your product in terms of how much does the product weigh, right? Because that's what the consumer is consuming. They're consuming right. that paper. Um, so that could be, you know, I could see us working with BIA, Endyne, and the CCB and saying, okay, like, how are we all going to test pre-rolls? Are we including the paperweight? Are we not including the paperweight? Like, just little things like that. Um, mm. Or, you know, as, you know, for example, say that, the state starts to see one pathogen that people are failing for. You know, we we need to be in a space where we can reach out to be and we could, you know, say whatever. Fifty percent of our customers are failing for aspergillus. What are you guys seeing? Like there there should be that nice collaboration and sharing of information so that we can support the whole state customer basis, you know, together. Um, so yeah, hasn't happened yet, but right. that's mainly, <laughs> I would say, because we've had our heads down trying to bring our tests online. Yeah. Um, but we are definitely going to be looking for that and excited to do that. Um, cause it's very difficult as a testing lab or as any business to fly blind. So if you, I mean, you want healthy competition because right, if, if we were, you know, the only place in town and we're putting out these numbers and there's no other rebuttal number, you don't really know how to check yourself. I mean, you have your internal checks, but when there's two groups, it's, it's a lot easier to compare data and just, you know, figure out like, is, is something off here? Um, and the, and the state being involved as well helps with that a lot too. Um, they're kind of a, it's, it's hard for labs cause our, our methods are our IP. 
So you're right. We're not going to, you know, you're not going to call up Bia and be like, hey, buddy, this is how I extracted this gummy. How did you do it? But at the same time, the state is kind of that middle ground where they're aware of what all the labs are doing. And if there's a serious issue, they can, you know, help by being the neutral party that's. You know, in right, between us all. Right. What Carrie likes to call the referee lab. You yes. know, so are you excited about them possibly having a we are. an internal lab? Yeah, it's it's um it's kinda of funny. I get I didn't expect to get questioned about this so much, but since they came out and said they're making a lab, I mean I got people calling me up and be like, Are you okay? How do you feel about this stuff? And I was like, I'm pumped about this. Yeah, I mean that's <laughs> not competition. It's no, not like it's, clients are gonna go right, to them to get testing. Right, they're just for auditing. Yeah, and yeah. I mean, as Holly said, like we're number people, we're data people, so you know, with us and Bia being the two significant players, that's two data points. So, you know, just random situation, pesticides, it fails with us, it passes with Bia. That's one fail, one pass. You need a third data point to say statistically which which one it is. Um, and so right. the state having a lab is going to basically make the industry better as a whole because we need at least three data points to really say one way or the other. Um, no, I think it's great that the state's going to do that, especially when there's, you know, issues like we've been seeing in the community lately, um, just the ability to react because when those samples are coming to ourselves and BIA, right, we know the urgency of the state samples, but we have a customer base that we need to support and protect. And so, you know, realistically it's, yeah, we'll test your stuff, but in four days after I get all my samples done for my customers, right? Right. So. Yeah. But at the state side, they need to be able to react quickly. So I'm I'm excited that they're going to have a lab that they can do that with. Yeah, I think they're a little bit ahead of the curve. I read an article about how the, the governor of Michigan just put in like $4.4 million for their state to have a lab. And yep. so um, there's a lot of states now who are wanting to do that. Yeah. I think it makes a lot of sense. It, it does. And it's just, I mean, it helps. And it helps the, you know, the CCB board be stronger as well, right? Yeah. You know, right now, it, you know, it's great that we get to interact with them so much, but, you know, they have to trust our data. And in reality, the, the CCB is responsible for re- regulating the testing labs as well, right? Right. So how can you regulate the testing labs if you don't have your own data to check the testing exactly. labs? Exactly. Yeah. Good. So they'll be like a partner. Yeah. 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 No, we're, That's we good. like that. Yes. We like to be checked. Yeah. <laughs> um, all right. So... Kind of like getting to like the business part of it. So you do have one competitor, you know, mm-hmm. in the space right now. How do you create a competitive advantage in a lab environment? I mean, I'm going to tap into a phrase that I've been hearing a lot lately, which is benefit versus versus features. Um, so the features is, you know, it's what we offer, right? We offer regulatory testing. Um, we offer information on your product, you know, that's kind of like a baseline. That's what a testing lab is. The benefit is what we're going to build on top of that. And that's why we're pretty excited to be moving on on our own because we have some exciting stuff coming down the pipeline in terms of benefits. Um, one of our first major projects is redoing our C of A's, making them a lot more visual and easy to digest we like data and numbers and we nerd out about that, but the average consumer, you know, they might look at a whole list of LODs, LOQs, and just, you know, glaze over. As a consumer, at least from the feedback we've gotten, because we've kind of pooled the industry, is, you know, how, what do you want to see a C, on a C of A? How do you want to digest it? And what we've gotten is things like pesticides, pathogens, residual solvents, heavy metals. They just want to know it's okay, right? You just want to see a pass fail, a green, a red, 
just you don't you don't want to have to digest that. You just want to know this is safe for me to consume. And then visually, they're looking for cannabinoid profiles and terpene profiles. And rather just seeing a bunch of numbers on a chart, like, can we make a pretty colorful graph? Can we do a pie chart? Can we really represent our customers' products well and easy so that the consumer can digest them and just know, like, okay, it was tested, it's safe, and here's the picture I'm looking for. Um, And so that's going to be one of our benefits. Another benefit that we... Um, I just started working on this week is, you know, you kind of touched on in the beginning. We have all this data. We have such a cool vantage point. Like, mm-hmm. we are literally seeing how half of the state is operating. Yep. Um, and it occurred to us, like, this data is really useful. How do we share this? So what we're working on now um, is going to be exporting data out of our database and sharing it with our customers. So if you're a manufacturer and you are, you know, sending us three different lots of gummies each week, you know, we'll be able to basically pull three months worth of your gummy data and show you how you're trending. We can track your weights. Do you have a uniform product off your line? We can track your concentration. We can track, you know, was the, were there issues? Did you get a new filling line and now all of a sudden things look different? Hmm. Did you install a new mixer? Do you need to install a mixer? So we can actually take the data that we have and work with our customers to help them interpret how to make their businesses stronger and better. Um, so how would you know they need a new mixer? Like oh. what's, what's the, you know, <laughs> is it about uniformity? Yeah. You know, homogeneity yeah, so of just, the product? Yeah, so our, so when we hired out the lab team, um, we were very strategic about getting people who had different backgrounds, thinking about who our customers are going to be. So what I bring to the team is 10 years of manufacturing experience. I can look at a data set and watch weights or concentrations bounce around. And I just know from my time in manufacturing, that's probably a mixing issue. Or um, like on the quality side, so that's absolutely what Holly is bringing to the table. Holly could like help be like, you know, if I, if I could identify an equipment issue, right, Holly might be able to identify a quality system issue. Right. You know, Holly might say something like, well, did you look back through your batch records of the past 10 lots? And somebody might say, what's a batch record? You know, just bringing like things that we took for granted because they were just ingrained in our brains from working in FDA industries and bringing them to cannabis of how to truly create a uniform product. Um, One of our lab technicians has a cultivation background and she has been amazing with the pesticide stuff that's going on because she, you know, she has a pesticide uh, application license. license. I was like, I want to say it right. And, you know, so, you know, we have people calling up and saying, is this, is this okay to use? Is this okay to use? And Leah has been fantastic just working with them. And she's very good about saying, I don't know, but here's who you should go contact. So she's offering resources in that way. Um, One of our analysts has a background in extraction. And so he is seeing, you know, as concentrates are coming through, he's seeing issues and he's sharing his feedback and we're giving it back to our customers. Like, hey, we noticed this, we noticed this, you know. Yeah. Um, so, I mean, having had experience for nine years making products in the cannabis industry, you have to have a lab partner in order mm-hmm. to create a consistent product. Yeah. Um, and I think that that's one of the ways that you build, build like a, a loyal client base is working with them on product development. Yep. Um, because... You know, when you're trying out a new recipe for the first time, um, you know, say it's a food product, you know, first you, you, 
you solidify just the, the call it a gummy, mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, without the cannabis. But then learning how to create a homogenous batch yep. and all the testing that you need to do in order to do that. And I'm right. wondering whether there's a much going on right now with that, or if you're just getting like a you're just getting one sample from the manufacturer, or are they sending multiple samples from a batch that they understand that their batch is consistent? Yeah, absolutely. We, we're seeing a range. Yeah. So there, there are definitely people, especially in the manufacturing space, who you can tell have a manufacturing background and have come to cannabis to create cannabis products. Um, and then I think we're seeing people who are newer to manufacturing but have that cannabis expertise. And so we're trying to kind of, you know, merge together like on – one end, um, I was just talking to a gentleman yesterday about doing a product validation um, to validate his manufacturing process. And essentially what that looks like is when you make your batch, you will sample top, middle, bottom. Okay, my batch is homogenous. And then when you fill your product, you do beginning, middle, end. Um, traditionally, in an FDA setting, you would do that three times. And then that completes your validation on your product. And then moving forward, so that's basically you proving I am operating in a state of control. Like my SOPs and my processes have proven out that I have a homogenous product. And so then moving forward, you can get away with just sending one sample per batch. Um, It's legwork up front, but it pays off down the road. Um, I think everybody's kind of learning their way. That would be kind of like one end. And then the other end is there's a lot of manufacturers that are just making so many different products that I think right now they're in the stage of testing out like, you know, what product do I want to be known for and know how to make the best? And so they're kind of, you know, moving around and figuring out what's easier, what's harder. Um, Yeah, I mean, there's a joke we have. Cannabis is just hard. Like, it really is. Like, there's just, like, things you, like, don't think about. Like, beverages, for example, people are having issues with the cannabinoids leaching into the aluminum cans. Yeah. And it's just, like, right? It's not something you think of, and then it happens, and you're just, like... And that's just... That's chemistry. It is. And it's just... But it's, like, you know, that's that's what I find exciting about the position we're in is there's so much unknown. And, like, you know, like we were talking about, hopefully we don't have to validate again. But in reality, like, cannabis science is moving forward. In another year, there might be better ways to test that, you know, come out. And, you know, we might be switching to a new test method because someone has developed a, you know, a better way to find all the terpenes. And maybe that someone will be us. Maybe that someone will be <laughs> I us. <hope> it will. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. I love that. Maybe we'll be um, licensing our IP. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I think it's it's um, that kind of partnership or collaboration with a uh, manufacturer or a grower. Like for growers, you know, to be able to um, test your your plants throughout the life cycle, yep. you know, or even just throughout the flowering cycle and understanding where your levels of cannabinoids are and where the right mm-hmm. harvest times are. Yeah, yeah exactly. And not just for cannabinoids, but for terpenes, yep. you know, and I think that's where that kind of service is invaluable to somebody who really is trying to, you know, put their best work out there. Yeah. Um, so we have a study underway where we have um, some of our customers have donated flower samples. And so one variable that we cannot control is we can only test what you send us. We have no control over what you send. Um, You can send us your best bud, your medium grade bud, your worst bud, your trim, right? And we can only test a snapshot of that. Um, So we're trying to build awareness around how much potency and terpene profiles can vary in the same cultivar from the same grow, same lot. Um, So we we actually had a lot of interest, which was awesome. So we we have cultivators 
donating flour, and we're letting them pick what's your best bud, medium grade, worst bud, and then they're providing trim, and we're testing it for potency and terpenes and giving the data back and graphing the data and showing, you know, your best bud tested in at 27%, your trim tested in at 15 um, and really showing that plant variation um, to give education back to our community, but also to um, kind of highlight what's going on with testing. You know, we, we do get feedback of this, this, this isn't where this tested in last time I tested it. And we're trying to put some real data behind why. Right. Um, yeah. I really, to follow up, what Kelly is saying is so true. Um, we hear a representative sample in the regulations uh, in the legislation and it's not super clear what that means, but um, for us, we can only give results that represent the sample that you give us. So it's really important that that sample fully represents the product that you are bringing to market. Without you giving us a great sample or a representative sample, yeah. it's just we, we aren't able to fully showcase the product that you are looking right. to do. Yeah, while it's exciting to give us your best bud and put your best foot forward, the flip side of that is your consumer is not buying all your best bud, right? right. So your harvest is a mixture of best, worst, medium. And, you know, in, in, an, in an FDA market, that would be considered adultered results and adultered product because it is not representative of the full batch. Right. Um, so right now that is not how our regulation is written. We acknowledge that, but we're just trying to build the awareness and put real data behind that sentiment so that, you know, if it if regs do change with federal legalization, it's not a shock for the consumer and for the people. Because as a brand, if your consumer is used to, you know, thinking they're consuming 27% THC and then we switch to federal legislation, Legalization, all of a sudden, your, you know, your test result might be your average, which is 22% THC. You don't want the consumer to think the brand has all of a sudden changed something up, right? right. Like you yeah. want it. Yeah. Yeah. I think that I like what you're saying there um, because um, and the fact that your, your regulatory background really uh, is driving this is that um, we need healthy regulation. We need people to be thinking about the future and how when federal legalization happens, we need to be prepared for that, <laughs> you know, <laughs> to, you know, what that's going to look like, you know, and right. I think that the skill sets that you have and the way that you talk about things um, with these uh, new businesses that are coming in the market is going to be very helpful for he right. them to mature as companies right. to be creating consistent, um, reputable accurate yep. products. I don't know if those are the right words, but yeah, no, it's, <laughs> and it's like, if we like right now we're in a little bit of a bubble, right? Cause we're just in the state of Vermont. But if we, if the state of Vermont groups together and is proactively working towards what we're anticipating for federal legalization, the state of Vermont businesses are going to be much stronger when there is actual interstate commerce, right? Like how is the state of Vermont going to stack up against these large MSOs and whoever, well, we're going to do that by being ahead of the curve and already, you know, operating the way that federal legalization is probably going to go. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I wouldn't, I mean, yes, the large MSOs, but I would just include any product that's coming into Vermont yeah. legally yeah, from absolutely. anywhere because right. we're hopeful. I mean, we have actually been tweeting about this lately because California and Oregon and Washington and New Jersey, they're all proactively working with their district attorneys right now to understand what happens if mm -hmm. we decide to start 
yeah. shipping out of state. Exactly. You know, what's going to happen right. to us in terms of federal regulations? They're moving forward. I think that Vermont should too. Yep. Um, because I think it would be awesome for our growers and manufacturers to be able to yeah. to do that. Yeah. <laughs> so they're going to be competing against Absolutely. small, big, medium right. um, companies that are looking to... to yeah. And okay. I think that Vermont has as much cachet as California. I know the California. Yeah. No, like, like well, like, we make the best bud and we're the home, but I think that Vermont yeah. has one of those um, yeah, let's, reputations let's put Vermont as well. cannabis on the map. I, I mean, so. everyone knows us for maple syrup. Why not cannabis? Exactly. It's the same mentality. Perfect. It's done right. All right. I think we have to end there because <laughs> it's time and it's a perfect place to stop. But I would like to ask you both a personal question. You two and your team are working really hard right now. You're pioneering in a new industry, You're working a lot. Um, and so what are you doing to take care of yourselves right now? Just one thing, you know, that you're doing to make sure you've got uh, that life work. I think we're balance. just we're taking care of each other. We have a small group and we all are working really hard. So just checking in with each other, supporting each other, however that person needs on any given day. Um, Callie and I specifically do a thing called taking a floor. <laughs> and sometimes when things are just going really badly, having just a rough day, uh, we just need to see things from a different perspective. And we will literally lay on our office floor and just kind of talk it out. And usually like literally that change of perspective helps us to see things a little clearly. Yep. Some of our customers uh, may or may not have caught us taking a floor. (laughs) We might be known for that at this point. Um, And I would just, yeah, outside of that, too, one thing that Holly and I are now involved in um, is actually a group of other cannabis business owners um, and leaders. Um, And it wasn't our idea, but we got invited to it. We're very thankful. And this group has committed to meeting up once a month for dinner get together, you know, we say don't talk about work, but, you know, we do. But it's more of a we all need a break. So it's a commitment. I think there's, what, eight eight or nine of us. So we're all committed to each other to hold this, you know, date to just go to dinner, enjoy being at dinner instead of being like, oh, my God, I need to do this for the business. I need to do this. I need to do this. Um, And even though that's like just once a month, just the fact that there's this group of us that's doing it, you know, there's a group text message. Like, it's just, it's nice to collaborate and be like, oh, okay, I'm not the only one who's not sleeping. Yeah. I mean, one of our friends literally calls us. He's like, did you sleep last night? <laughs> I didn't. <laughs> or like, you know, they actually, once pesticides came up, they called us this week and they were like, wow, you guys sound way happier. And we're like, yeah, it's great. We really saw the C of A's. Like, we're confident in them. And yeah, it's just nice to have that connection. And but yeah, yeah we're definitely camaraderie. taking awesome. care of each other and excellent. Yeah, trying Great. to eat <laughs> and sleep. Good. All right. Well, thanks so much for being here. Really appreciate it. Yes, and good luck with the the name change and yeah. the relaunch. That's mm-hmm. super exciting. Yeah, and uh, with right. your next two validations, so. Thank you. Yeah, Thank you. and I'm just I'm gonna put a plug in for our event that got postponed. Oh, definitely. Um, yeah. So um, for anyone who is planning to attend our um, after hours event, it is happening on March 14th um, at the lab from 6 to 9 p.m. There will be more details to come about our name change and changes coming that we will be ready to talk about then. Um, but yeah, we'd love to love to have a lot of the community there. You do have to be 21 years of age to attend. Um, and if you can sign up and reserve a ticket, that'd be great. But we're hoping to have a nice turnout. Perfect. I highly recommend it. Yeah. Excellent. 
All right. Take care, you two. That'll do it for this episode. Thanks go out to my creative crew at High Fidelity, Olaf Willoughby and Shane Lynn, and to the team at Syntax in Motion for producing this show. A special shout out to Will Davis, my sound engineer. Thanks to you for listening to us today. If you enjoy what you heard, subscribe on our website, hi5vt.com, or wherever you listen to podcasts. Better yet, like, share, rate, or leave a comment. You can request topics or interviews for our show by emailing us at bewell at hi5et.com. We'd love to hear from you. Until then, be well and have fun out there.